It's Thursday, and you know what that means. It's time for Tub Talk Live. I'm Richard Tub, your host for today. At home in the studio garage in Newcastle upon Tyne in the northeast of England. And this is a very special edition of Tub Talk Live. We haven't done one in a while. This episode of the uh, the podcast video show has been born out of feedback from you, our listeners. So a few weeks ago, I'll give some background on this. A few weeks ago, some of you might know, I was doing a tour of the UK, visiting lots of MSPs, bit of a roadshow, and it was called Breaches and Brews. We got together in some awesome uh, breweries and distilleries, and I know it's a hard life that we lead here in the MSP industry, but I met so many of you uh, there. Uh, that event, those series of events were put together by a really big cybersecurity vendor that's very, very well known in North America and are now coming to Europe, more on that later, but Huntress Security. Now, there's two people that uh, I hung, hung out with a little bit on that uh, tour, and we've invited them to join us today for a very special reason. Uh, the first of our guests is Dre Agar. I'll introduce you to Dre in a minute. But uh, Dre and I sat down to do a podcast interview. Many of you might have listened to this uh, about threat operations, about cybersecurity for MSPs. And my goodness, we had incredible feedback on that. Within the first 24 hours of releasing that episode, I had three different people get in touch with me and say, this might be the best episode that you've ever done. So really high praise considering the people that we've had on the show. Uh, and our other guest today is Joe Burns of Reformed IT. Now, Joe is a very well-known MSP owner, very successful tech entrepreneur from the East Midlands in the UK. And Joe, at our Breaches and Brews event in Birmingham, actually uh, whipped his laptop out, hooked it up to the TV and just did an incredible demo uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but Joe is a client of Huntress as well. He's MSP, uses Huntress and their SOC. So we had so much good feedback on those two uh, different events there that we thought, why not bring these guys together in a special episode of Tub Talk Live so we can speak to them and give you, our dear listener, our dear viewer, the opportunity to pose your questions to them. So I'll let you know about the format of this show as we go on. But first of all, I want to introduce our guests formally. So, uh, Dre Aga, welcome to Tub Talk. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, Richard. It's good to see you again. I thoroughly enjoyed conversing with you last time, man. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you and Joe. Yeah, and no pressure at all that you've got one of the best uh, listened to and the most the best feedback Tub Talk episodes of all time. So you're on form today, right? People will eventually figure out I'm incredibly boring. I mean, we were just talking about this. <laughs> I'll come back to you in a second, Dre, get some backgrounds on who you are, what you do. But Joe, welcome to the show again. Your first time on Tub Talk. But just before we came on, I was saying, man, I want to get you back for a one-on-one -on -one conversation as well to talk more about your business. But Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Good to be with you both, Richard and Dre. Thank you. Uh, Dre, I'll turn to you uh, first of all. Uh, give us a bit of background on who you are, what your background in the industry is, and what you do um, for Huntress. Yeah, so I'm Dre. I've been known um, a little bit in the UK community, but more more in the US where I work with Huntress now. But I started off uh, humbly in help desk. I was the portable sort of help desk person for a scarf company that, that taught me everything about layer rate problem solving more than it did anything else. Uh, then I spent a little bit of time doing junior sysadmin work, which was incredible, uh, just incredible mentoring and, and tutoring there. I did a bit of network engineering, decided that I was um, 
a smarty pantser, tried to do pen testing, loved pen testing, but couldn't, it didn't excite me enough as what some of the colleagues across the table were doing in the blue team. And so I moved over to them after a couple of months and I did incident response and I loved incident response so much. I stayed there for two years. Uh, I've shared with people, I got a bit burnt out doing incident response. So I looked at what else was in blue team. What else did I love? And I moved into SOC. And that's what we do at Huntress now. Huntress offers a SOC service. Um, I'm the UK manager for threat operations. I love it. I love stopping bad guys. And I love us doing it at a cost that makes sense to most people. Because incident response was quite expensive and I used to feel quite bad. Hey, I'm going to ask you one other question. I'm making an assumption here that everybody knows who Huntress is because you're such a big name in North America. But eagle-eared viewers will have picked up. That is a British accent there. And Huntress, of course, making moves into the UK. Joe, I'm going to come to you in a second to get some background. But, you know, Joe, being a Huntress uh, MSP, uh, Dre, before we jump into that, what does Huntress do for MSPs? So Huntress is one of those companies that we do so much, but we're really bad at saying what we sell. And that's because Huntress is a bunch of nerds who usually jump on at the scene of the crime when they're... Uh, huge intrusions and zero days. But Huntress's main core product is, is managed detection and response. We roll our own agents. We're trying our best to make sure that we keep it as sort of um, small resource consumption, keep the cost pretty low. But what we're trying to do is, is stop bad guys that getting to your environment, give you a nice security notification across your Windows devices, Mac OS devices, and uh, your Microsoft 365 identities. Uh, we also try to offer very light remediation activities so that whilst we're not doing full room, uh, root cause analysis, we, we do our best to help and we do our best to help inject and evict an adversary from them. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about what Huntress do for MSPs as we go forward. But there's no better way to find out about that than Joe. Joe Burnson, turn to you. So you are becoming a really well-known name uh, in the UK MSP industry and further afield as well. Something of a cybersecurity expert in and of yourself. But tell us your yeah. background as an MSP owner and why you partner with Huntress. Uh, because you were one of the early adopters, I think, of, of their service in the UK. Yeah, we've been using it for a, for a while now. But the uh, so the background and is that I've... Um, a multiple MSP business owner in that I started an MSP back before they were called MSPs, obviously, back in 2005, where that term wasn't really used and we weren't known for managed services back then. Uh, and I was I co-founded that business, a, a company called Piranet, which we scaled uh, over 11 years to 2016 when we eventually exited that business. Well, I didn't exit that business. We sold that business in 2016. And then 2019, I properly exited uh, that company. But what happened during that journey those you know 14 years of my career running a business an IT services business is that I found lots of mistakes that we'd made that when we when I co-founded reformed IT in 2019 I was looking back at, at that period of my, uh, of my career and thinking actually IT services should be a lot better than we did it before and in particular, with a very core focus on cybersecurity, and as Dre mentioned, you know the, the big thing is protecting businesses and stopping businesses from suffering from from cybersecurity breaches. That became one of our you know, main core propositions for our client was how do we protect businesses and, and, and what do we do to help them? And ultimately, that's what led to we have a very we're very well known now for this complete package. We don't do add-ons. We don't do bolt-ons. Uh, we don't do bronze, silver, gold, or anything like that. We have one package because we believe to protect 
our clients, we need to do everything we possibly can uh, to uh, layer up the cybersecurity. And Huntress falls part of that as one of our, uh, our layers of defensive mechanisms for, for our clients, particularly at the endpoint as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Joe, how many people within the business at the moment? Uh, tell us what type of clients you work from, uh, uh, the geography that you sort of serve. Yeah, so we're, so we're now, to, so we started in 2019, so we're four years old uh, as of last month, and we are a team of 12, uh, although we're still recruiting. Uh, we generally service the East Midlands area in the in the UK, so right in the middle of, middle of England, uh, but we also have clients in, in London as well. And the typical client for us is any anywhere between like 20 employees up to 250, 300 employees. We do offer services to both uh, co-managed, so where there's an internal IT department, or fully managed. Uh, but we are very focused on co-managed at the moment, doing more to help internal IT departments, to, particularly to get their security stack right, because internal IT departments don't necessarily always have the skill set in-house and the time and patience to get everything set up, whereas we can help to fill that, to fill that gap. So we're doing a lot on that at the moment. That makes a lot of sense. So thanks for giving us a background, guys. So uh, for, for to, to clarify, we are absolutely live here. Uh, we've got no scripts. We've got no pre-prepared questions. We are just going to grill these two individuals with your toughest, juiciest questions about cybersecurity, managed services, and everything in between. And look, you can see them both sweating a bit already. <laughs> so all joking aside, we're going to have some fun here. So whether you're joining us live on YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever channel, MySpace, I don't know where we're going out here. It's going all over the place. Let us know in the chat uh, where you're joining us from uh, and let us know your questions for both Joe and Dre today. We've got Stephen McCormack, who is a very well-known uh, community manager here at Tublog, the hub for MSPs. He's on all the channels and we've got a document open. So it doesn't matter where you're joining us from. Let us know uh, your questions uh, for these two gentlemen. Now, what we're going to get out today, obviously, uh, Joe and Dre know lots of stuff about cybersecurity between them. So if I were you in the audience, I would throw your cybersecurity questions. However, my background as a managed service provider owner, some of you know, you know, I had an MSP not too far away from Joe, actually, in the Midlands of the UK. Sold that business about 13 years ago. And if you've watched any of my sort of presentations, blogs, podcast videos, you know I will get on my soapbox and bang the drum about the concept of outsourcing, that MSPs should perhaps focus on their core competencies and team up, buddy up strategic alliances, whatever you want to call it, with technology companies who can help their MSP clients do things faster, better, and cheaper. That's why we're here today, because Joe is doing this really, really well. And as you gather, Joe knows his onions when it comes to cybersecurity. So, Joe, I've got to ask the question, why, given your wealth of expertise in cybersecurity, are you choosing to partner up with Dre and the team at Huntress rather than become an MSSP, managed service security provider, or in other words, to build it out yourself, to do it yourself? Yeah, well, I mean, the thing with building a SOC team, the, the skills and expertise required in that team are extensive. We're focused, obviously, on the technology of our clients. We're focused on, one, protecting them and protecting them multiple layers and providing that advice and guidance for them. But we can't sensibly build an entire team with all the skill sets and still focus on all of the other layers at the same time. The team at Huntress, you know, brought out a 
they've developed a, a brilliant endpoint that allows it to be backed with a very competent and trained SOC team that are there 24-7, which is another advantage, because if we were to do that, we'd have to build out a 24-7 team as well. But they've got that round-the-clock protection for our endpoints so that we've got that peace of mind that if something happens, and it is a layered approach, but you can never defend against every single possible threat, but with a good layered approach, we have Huntress there watching our backs and making sure that if anything does slip through or anything gets through the net, that Huntress can put a stop to that quickly and efficiently. We can't we can't build a team internally very quickly and inexpensively as we are doing with Huntress without that kind of technology and that support. That makes a lot of sense. Dre, I'll turn to you next. So um, Joe has just explained why uh, his business chooses to partner with somebody like Huntress. And of course, Huntress are not the only SOC out there. There's, there's plenty of options there. So we want to talk broad uh, sort of strokes here. Um, in your experience, though, does Joe's um, thinking, reasoning behind partnering up with you match up with why most MSPs that you work with partner with Huntress? Or is there, there are other, other factors in there? I think what, what Joe's talking about there is one of the most important things. And I love getting partners like Joe, who are very smart people, who know the things that they want to spend their time doing and the things they don't want to spend their time doing. And I think it is exactly that. It's the idea of someone that's already got your back for these particular things. But it's not the outsourcing of accountability and responsibility. And I love, Joe, what you said there about the layers, about making sure that whilst Huntress is a component where the little puzzle piece fitting in, that you still got other layers because one of the least sort of favorite partners or thought processes that some people buy security solutions for is they're like, oh, cool, I've absolved all responsibility. The security uh, partner is going to take care of all this for me. Yes, to some extent, but we need engagement. We want people who understand that breaches are inevitable. Agents, uh, the, the tools that we have are great, but they're not going to stop everything. And so we need people who will engage, who will read documentation and blogs and things that we put out to make sure that we're building a community. We're not just having people that buy a product and, and then forget that they bought that product because they think it works. Yeah, absolutely. Joe, another question for you. And again, we are absolutely live here. I can already see stuff coming in uh, via the chat. Let us know where you're joining us from, wherever in the world. Let us know your cybersecurity questions. Uh, if you've got questions about Huntress, about Joe's business in these backgrounds, uh, we are here to ask the toughest question of these guys live. But Joe, I'll turn to you next. And the one thing I'm really intrigued about is I knew a little bit about your uh, business from what you've shared uh, online. I've got to know you a little bit more now, but you use cutting edge tools. You've got a really well-educated team there. What was the process of integration between your team and the Huntress team and between your tools and the Huntress platform? What did that look like? Yeah, to be honest with Huntress, the, and it may sound like I'm just saying this because I'm, I'm, I'm sat on a, on a conference with Dre, but honestly, the, the, the integration with Huntress is completely seamless from, from our perspective. The rollout is, is as simple as it gets. And, and having that back end and the integration with our systems, our internal systems. So if there are alerts that drop straight into our, into our internal systems so that we can see what's going on. Uh, yeah, it, it's completely seamless. There's, there's no struggle at all to get onboarded uh, with Huntress. It is that is some, somewhat unique because obviously we have quite a few different security tools, and there's usually lots of upheaval and uh, and understanding and tweaking and changing. But but genuinely, Huntress to 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 onboard with our clients was it took us minutes to get it 
to get it set up and um, and it's been running pretty smoothly ever since so yeah really nice Joe, what about, you know, I know you've got a great team already, but uh, especially when I was doing the Breaches and Brews tour, I was asking people, well, why are you coming out to to say hello to us, apart from the free beer and pizza, which is going to be a draw for anybody. But actually, all joking aside, most MSPs that I was speaking to saying, man, we are really struggling to hire people with the right skills uh, to this. And, and Dre, I'll turn to you in a minute, because uh, even though Hunter is a very well-known company, you must have those same challenges of finding the right people. But before that, Joe... So, you know, you made the decision to to effectively partner up with Huntress for your cybersecurity. Did you come across that challenge of finding people with the right skills? And was that part of the decision? Or, do you, you know, do you get to the stage where you think, oh, no, we've got Huntress, we can abdicate responsibility for security? Surely that's not the case. No, I mean, again, touching on the point we made earlier, it is... Huntress is one of the layers of control that we have from a security perspective. It's not the only uh, the only layer of control. So we can't con- just kind of set that up and go, okay, um, a bit like it's been said before, there's no kind of silver bullet. You can't just fix every security issue with one with one tool or, 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 or one thing. So it is all about layered. Uh, we're, because we're not really hiring people to the same level as, as what, we're using within Huntress's SOC. So it's not necessarily we're looking at that skill level because we know we've got partners like Huntress that can fill that gap. So we've never really been actively looking for people at that level. But from a from an IT perspective and taking on employees that are skilled within our team, it's it's been a challenge, no, no doubt about that. It's been really difficult over the last few years to to find and attract some of the best the best talent in the area. Uh, a lot of people have opened that up to remote working from anywhere, but we are quite a regional-based business, and so we're still looking for people that are based within our area rather than looking for remote workers, which makes it a little bit more challenging. So definitely recruitment has been an issue over the last few years, definitely. Yeah. And Dre, I'm going to turn to you here. You and I have had conversation offline about uh, this. Uh, Huntress growing uh, at sort of an exponential rate. Uh, How challenging are you finding it to find the right members of staff with the right skill set to actually serve MSPs like Joe, uh, to have that cybersecurity knowledge and, you know, to to roll our sleeves up, get geeky and uh, understand what the bad guys are up to nowadays? Yep. I mean, I, I can spend the next 40 minutes talking about this. And it's topical because Huntress is about to start a big hiring round. Um, and we're going to be doing that all over. So folks, keep your eyes out. But we're not here to plug not here to plug that. Or maybe we are, I don't know. Um, hi- hiring is, is a big pain for me because we want to give everybody opportunities. I would love to interview every single person that we speak to. But one of the downsides is cybersecurity is so hot right now. Everybody and it's really hard to discern when someone's a candidate who's, who's going to be noteworthy. I think that one of the things we do at Huntress, or one of the things that I've really tried to force on, on Huntress is we need to consider folks who come from unconventional backgrounds. So just because someone doesn't have a degree, that's fine. Maybe someone just spent 10 years as a, a network engineer, and now they want to transition to cybersecurity. Those are the kind of people I'm looking for. Those kind of people, though, have options. Those kind of people need to have high salaries. And those kind of people are also people who are very portable. If they don't believe in the mission, within one or two years, they're going to go. So when we're hiring people, yes, the salary is competitive, the title is cool, the job is cool, but they need to believe in the mission above everything else. And this isn't me just having plugged the, um, uh, plugging the Huntress Manifesto and worshipping at the church of Carl Hansel. And it's that you genuinely have to believe 
that we're trying to help most small businesses through our partner MSPs. If, and we do interview a lot of people who they're just looking for a job in cyber. They don't believe in that core part. If they don't believe in that core part, they don't really get to join the team because it's too important. They need to understand the cascading impact that we have as a security partner for people like Joe and his clients. Yeah. I'm also intrigued, Dre. You know, you talked about the remote aspect of this. Uh, I've seen MSPs are slightly slower to grab hold of that aspect, the idea that you don't need somebody sat behind a desk in your you know, local vicinity to do some of this specialist work. I've also come across, and I said, Huntress are not the only player in this market. Um, they're probably the best known, you know, highest rated uh, uh, from what I'm seeing. However, lots of SOCs, lots of cybersecurity companies are based all in one location. And that leads me to worry a little bit the you know 24 7 operation what does it look like at three in the morning now i know 24 7 are really difficult not to crack in in the best time but what i don't want is my cybersecurity partner being fueled by like red bull and uh, coffee in the early hours and things when something hits the fan i don't want to wake up at eight in the morning and go oh you know there's it's, it's been all over the place and we have to panic and deal with an incident so to put you on the spot there how do huntress deal with that situation of not making sure that engineers are fueled by Red Bull, engineers uh, are staying awake on coffee and things of that nature. Yeah, well, what I'll touch on first is I totally get why Joe's like, hey, MSP, we want local people, well, not local, but regional people, because the MSP relationship with clients is different. And you want to have someone in person that can come, turn up on site if they need to, shake a hand, totally different game. I think with security, where we, we do have the luxury of, we can go and hide you know, in a corner and jump on a Zoom call, and we, we get the luxury of remote. And remote is how we solve the 24-7 problem. So Huntress employs people in Australia, UK, America, Canada. And one of the really cool things is we don't let anybody work more than sort of a nine to five, right? Actually, our standard hours are eight till four. I, I'm actually 24-7 myself. Um, what we tried to do, we tried to make sure that we're following the sun, but we're treating people right. I've experienced burnout. I don't want any analysts to experience burnout. The way that we've solved this problem is with an eight to four, but it doesn't come without limitations. One of the biggest limitations for me is I want overlap. I want our Australian colleagues to feel just as close to their UK colleagues, to try and feel as close to their American colleagues. And so what I don't want is for there to ever be someone up to three in the morning because we've employed them somewhere that was convenient for us because we understood our national laws and didn't want to understand international laws. That is a big limitation for some companies. Um, but I also want folks, just because you're sitting in a desk in Perth employed by Huntress, I don't want you to feel like you never actually get a Huntress experience. So it's not just the sort of doing the math of the time zones, it's also the culture. How are you making sure that people feel like they're part of a team? Because otherwise, those folks are going to leave you within a year. Because you're not, a you're just a company to them. You're just, you're nobody. If you immerse them in the team culture, they'll want to stay. Makes sense. We are live, Top Talk Live here. We are live on YouTube and Twitter and LinkedIn and uh, any way that you can find us here. We're getting some great feedback and questions coming in already, guys. So I'll turn to you with some of the live uh, questions next. I want to let you know, uh, Joe and Dre, you've got the great and the good of the industry uh, watching you live here as well. So I'll give a, I can't give a shout out to everybody, but we've got uh, Matt Lee, who I know you both know, very well-known cybersecurity expert. Matt says hi uh, from the other side of the pond. We've got Michelle. Coombs. Uh, let's have a look. We've got uh, our great friend Gareth uh, Westwood, 
who runs the uh, the uh, Tech Tribe Staffordshire group uh, as well. Laura Wilkinson is watching and she says, Dre, she absolutely agrees. And she says, you have to believe in your role in the company. So um, you've got uh, somebody who absolutely agrees with you there. Wherever you're joining us in the world, let us know in the chat. I'll try and give a shout out to as many of you as uh, possible. Uh, Joe, but I mentioned our great yeah. friend Gareth Wilkinson, who runs the Staffordshire Tech Tribe group. Yeah. Let's give a plug for the Tech Tribe local groups in the UK, because, uh, you know, when we went on the Breaches and Brews tour, um, we had a really interesting uh, mix of MSPs who knew and understood community and were like, yeah, we'll absolutely come out and have a beer, have some pizza, talk cybersecurity with Joe and everyone else. Then, interestingly, we had a good 50% of the attendees who had no idea that there were peer groups, user groups, that their competitors, so to speak, would get together in, you know, in hotel uh, meeting rooms, in pubs and restaurants to talk managed services. Uh, so that was another big win coming out of it. Tell us a little bit about your group, the Tech Tribe East Midlands local uh, meetup, and what you get out of it as the group lead and what attendees get out of it as well. Yeah, well, it goes back to, in my previous business, I remember being very guarded with competitors. I used to be ultra secretive, didn't really want to tell anybody what we're up to. I didn't want them knowing what our pricing was or anything like that. Really guarded and secretive. And, you know, having started again and learning how to build a business for a second time it was basically i realized that that was no good if you understand your target audience properly if you understand your business and what you're doing there is so much business out there particularly for you know it services and money services businesses there's so many opportunities out there that you shouldn't be fighting you know you shouldn't really be fighting with each other for, for work at all and this element of collaboration is so powerful as, as a lead that the advantage i've got it well a lot of the reason that i wanted to set the group was a group up was to give back a little bit to the community you know some of that lessons learned that i've learned over the last 17 18 years i wanted to kind of give some of that back to others but equally every time we get together as a group we always learn something together we always learn something from somebody else about how they're doing something or uh, i've had a message today from one of the group members saying it's really helped him since he's been coming along he's only been coming for two or three months it's really helped him to understand his pricing model and realize that actually it's not a fight to the bottom he needs to understand how to how to price his services in the right way and be confident about that pricing so it you know it's different to everyone that attends they get different things from it but ultimately you're always learning from each other uh, it's so valuable to, to share information because the other thing as well is that you're sharing industry trends you know huntress has been was one of the topics at one of our kind of peer groups is let's talk about what tools we're using what's good what should what should we be looking at next and and so you start to learn everything that's on the market what you should be using uh, yeah, it's, for me, peer groups are an absolute no-brainer. Anybody in a money services business should be looking to collaborate and, and share ideas with other people around them. Absolutely. And from my perspective, when I ran my MSP business, you know, when I've been really open about this, I learned from the smartest, most successful people in our industry who gave freely of our, uh, their time and knowledge to help me grow. It was one of the uh, and the peer groups were absolutely one of the great drivers and motivators for you know the explosion of growth within my business. Mm -hmm. So if you've come on this live here, whatever channel you're on, and perhaps lurking a little bit, uh, unsure about asking questions, uh, don't know anything about the community, 
don't worry, you've got guys like Joe, you've got guys like Dre, uh, who are super, super open. And Dre, you know, I want to give a shout out to some of the things that Huntress do in the community as well. One of the ones that blew me away was the product labs uh, that you run uh, every month. And, and I know you do all sorts of things like that. Tell us a little bit more, Dre, about the product labs monthly uh, sort of, uh, cybersecurity meetup and the other things that you do in the community, because they're open to any MSP, aren't they? You don't have to be a Huntress client to join him. So offering things for free is one of the biggest and best things that Huntress does. And when I first joined, I didn't know how far I could take that. And so I started to write some scripts, put them in blogs and be like, I wonder if someone's going to tell me off. No one will tell you. Our founders are kind of the most pivotal part of the Products Lab. And I actually, I think they do Products Lab just so they still get some screen time with the community. Um, but the Product Lab is wonderful. It's it's there to show off some of the things we've got, some of the things that we want to have. It's it's a lot of what we do is community and feedback driven. So we'll often run uh, webinars, Tradecraft Tuesdays, for example, that are totally vendor agnostic. Like we're not talking about Huntress products. It's just a bunch of us nerds with 400 other nerds talking about nerdy things. Uh, and it's it's I, I think it's wonderful. I think it's one of those things that, just like Joe was saying, that it's about giving back. I learned a ton from people who didn't have to teach me a single thing. So I love when we do our webinars and we do our blogs and we do our community events because it's, it's just us giving. And I especially love when we get to do it vendor agnostic. Uh, I love Huntress. I love our product, but there is a cybersecurity world outside of Huntress. And the better that we can skill everybody's cybersecurity up, it, it doesn't actually then matter what product you go for. Thank you guys for the questions that are coming in. As I said, we are live on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter. I don't know, it might be Bebo, MySpace, everything else. For all I'm aware at the moment, we're going out all over the place. <laughs> Try cracking up Bebo there. Um, so get your questions in. We've got them coming in. I'm going to come to a question. And, uh, you know, this is an anonymous question, uh, Joe. So I'm going to suspect it's, it may even be from one of your so-called competitors here. But he, uh, or they say, I should say, um, MSPs handle sensitive client data. It's no surprise there are live sessions like this and people are joining and talking about MSP security. But how did Joe know if your own security measures were up to scratch before teaming with Huntress? Sorry, how did how did we know how that? Did you, how did Reformed IT know that their cybersecurity measures were up to scratch? And that's before you teamed with Huntress. Because I'll go to Dre afterwards, and there's there's probably going to be some elements, isn't there, that when you teamed with Huntress, they highlighted some things that you, that you could do better. But I think our listener is getting at the point, before you teamed with Huntress, how did you manage your own cybersecurity and know they were up to scratch? Yeah, well, for us, obviously, with, with security, cybersecurity being so hot on, on our agenda and protecting our clients, uh, everything that we use for our, cli for our clients, we would absolutely use ourselves. So we have Huntress uh, deployed to ourselves. Everything that in the stack that we provide to our clients is obviously used internally. Uh, we do, we go, in, in my view, and I'm always sharing with the security community as well, uh, one of the things we, we, we talked about uh, pre-show was, uh, the session hijacking, which we can, you know, we can surely come on to as well. But we've been hot on some of the things that have led to major breaches at businesses. We've we've then put out there how to protect against those things and, and, and controls you can put in place to actually protect against those things. So I think in general, general, obviously nobody's one hundred percent secure. Nobody can be one hundred percent secure, but. I think it's in our best interest to have as much as possible look at all the different risks and try and identify risk all of the time as to what is a risk and then work out 
how can I how can I mitigate it? What tools, what steps, what measures, controls can I put in place to mitigate that particular risk? But in order to understand it, you've got to understand the risk before you can defend against it. And again, top top of the show, Dre was talking about red team, blue team side. So I've you know I've also being hot on cybersecurity. I've also done the CH certified ethical hacker. It's something that I've been interested in from an offensive side for. 15, 16 years. So I'm one of those people that wants to work out how do the hackers get in? You know, what are they doing? How are they getting in? When you understand that, you then can put play, put things in place to control and mitigate those particular risks. And it's just that cycle, that evolving cycle of keep testing, checking. Now, what do we do about it? And it evolves all the time. And Dre, follow on question from that. And I've got a really interesting question come in as well, but I'll follow on in a second. Um, in terms of MSPs joining you, what do you do to help Huntress clients to upgrade, to, to batten down the hatches, to do better with their cybersecurity? Yeah, I mean, so we're not, you know, we don't enforce the CIS framework before you join. It's, not, it's nothing like that. One of the things that I think we do quite well, and, and I know some folks will think this is a plug. It's not because it's free. Uh, Huntress offers the Neighborhood Watch program. So if you're an MSP, you can use Huntress for free to protect your own internal assets. Um, the, again, it's not, you know, I'm not going to charge you. But one of the benefits of that is we're quite good at figuring out when some things are misconfigured. It's not been that uncommon during an intrusion that we also point to some particular things for a, a partner and say, oh, by the way, you may, you may want to sort that out. Uh, literally just this morning, we messaged a partner and said, oh, you know, we, we uh, whack-a-mole this particular threat. Don't worry about it. But actually, you're exposing RDP on the server, and I'm seeing that it's getting brute forces from Russia and, and, and Czech Republic. So you may want to sort that out. And I, I think it's those kind of organic things. And we're always trying to iterate and become better. One of the, I suppose, up slash downsides is we want to keep our security agent very low noise. I want people to see a Huntress alert and go, this means we recently trialed a, uh, a password detection service. It had mixed feedback, and I, I get why it had mixed feedback. But what we were seeing is that adversaries were coming on to an environment and just looking around for password documents. So we thought, right, well, how can we fix that? So we sort of um, reverse engineered our own agent to come up with a very scalable, let's go and collect all these password files. We didn't look at the inside of them. We just let our partners know hey, you may want to do something about this. Now, again, that's iterative, and I want to do more of that. I want to let every partner know, hey, there's uh, RDP exposed. Just the other week, someone had their domain controller exposed. Uh, we want to be able to do more things like that so that folks don't feel like they're just getting us as a uh, whack-a-mole security product, but we're actually trying to help them be proactive in their defense, which is huge to me. I don't want to just be a reactive security solution. Yeah. And here's the question that I thought was really interesting. Again, it's come through anonymous. Are there any MSPs that Huntress have decided not to work with? So I'm not high enough up in the food chain to know this. But what I can tell you is that I respond to quite a few tickets. I, I'm, I'm, I'm semi-useful and I even write a couple of reports. And there'll be folks like Joe and, and Tom Lawrence who know their stuff and they can ask me really interesting questions. I go, that's interesting. I'm going to go find that. And I can't, I'm not high enough off on the food ladder to tell you if we've ever rejected a partner, but I can tell you, we get tickets sometimes from folks who are a little bit upset. Maybe they're a little bit angry. Maybe they're just not understanding and they come in quite hot and heavy and they basically go, we've outsourced this. We don't want it to be our problem. Go and fix it. I usually just press delete on those tickets. Um, 
<laughs> but what I would say is we have, and I've seen Kyle, our CEO, do this. When we have someone who's acting um, less than polite, we're very happy to say, hey, this isn't for you and this isn't for us. So either adapt yeah. your behavior or you're welcome to leave. And you guys, like, we're, all, we're all in IT. I remember being spoken to in help desk in ways that I probably wouldn't ever speak to another person. And I think that was semi-acceptable 20 years ago. You, you can't do it anymore. And especially mm -hmm. when people are facing burnout and they do have other things going on, the least that we can do is treat uh, tech workers with, with the basic level of respect, unless it's about a printer, in which case we can gang up and attack the printer. Sorry, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, obviously, we, from, from an MSP perspective, uh, you get people calling up with problems, don't you? Like, so generally, if you're a help desk, you're going to have people call up that are already frustrated with the fact that they're having to pick up a phone because, you know, something's inevitably not not right or, or they need help with something. So you can get a lot of, you can get a lot of that kind of, uh, thankfully in reform, we've got, we've always had great clients because lessons learned from the first time is we pick great clients. We've got that stance of if it's not going to be a fit, we won't take on, uh, we won't take on a client if we know that they're going to be trouble. So we just won't take them on. Uh, that includes security. So for example, we will insist on certain security standards. Uh, like it will be no exceptions. So when we're taking on a client, we'll say things like the whole business needs to be MFA, right? Um, it's not It's not an option because inevitably we're saying this because they haven't already got it in place. And if they say, oh, it sounds inconvenient, or oh, it sounds like a lot of effort or work or we don't want it, we just go, right, we're probably, we're not a fit for you. Now you, you need to go to somebody else because we do not, we, we do, we have no exceptions. Uh, our standards are standards. Uh, but yeah, generally in terms of, we've had it in the past where we've had to kind of, in my previous business, where we've had to sack clients because just the way that their attitude and the way that they come across is just not, it's not good for a working relationship if, you, if you've got that kind of situation. So I completely agree with Dre's point. Yeah. Great feedback. Thanks for, for sharing that, Joe and Dre. Uh, I was, uh, Stephen and I, our community manager, we were at the Managed Service Summit in Manchester uh, earlier this week and catching up with all sorts of MSPs from the, the Northwest. And then I was at the SBSE Northwest meetup run by Robert Gibbons, similar group to the uh, the Tech Tribe local groups, Joe, on the evening. Mm -hmm. We were having all sorts of conversations, but we were saying about almost like, you know, clients who don't respect uh, the staff that they speak to and that and you know how, how do people deal with that I hope for the benefit of our, our listeners you can see it doesn't matter what stage of business you're at you shouldn't have to put up with you know clients speaking to you with anything less than utmost respect my background started off in corporate IT on help desks and ironically I was speaking um, uh, the Uber driver who was getting me home afterwards he was saying what do you do I said oh IT and he said oh I used to work on an IT help desk and I won't mention which company it was I said oh yeah you know well, how did that go and he says oh, I loved it and then I hated it he was like because they didn't treat us well the employee and this the people at the other end of the telephones didn't treat us with respect either it's not sustainable so I'm going to quote my great friend and mentor and MSP legend Carl Palachuk here and he says we don't work with assholes <laughs> so just <laughs> remember that one as you go forward life is too short to work with these people so please you know be re be respectful uh, towards your staff and make sure that your uh, clients are respectful towards you and your staff as well.
We are totally live here. We're getting some really interesting uh, questions uh, coming in. I said that we've got the great and the good uh, joining us as well today. So we've got Mostyn Thomas, who's been on the uh, podcast before, cybersecurity expert. He said he's listening to this on the way to the Netherlands. And Mostyn says to both of you, absolutely drink your own champagne. I know I've heard it called the, uh, our American friends have said, uh, eat your own dog food before. Uh, drink your own champagne sounds so much better. But the point here is walk the walk and talk, uh, not just talk the talk. Mm -hmm. Joe, we've got so many people have asked us who uh, obviously weren't there in Birmingham for when you did the demo of the session hijacking. So many people asking us, okay, what's this all about? So could I know we haven't got the, the video screen oh. and you put your laptop up there, but what are we talking about session hijacking here? What was the, explain the demo you gave to the, the room full of MSPs. Yeah, it's it's the big it's the big thing at the minute that that we're seeing. Uh, we're seeing it in the MSP community. So if I take you back to this is probably going on at least it's over a year ago, maybe eighteen months ago. Uh, the first time we saw it at Reformed in terms of hitting one of our clients. So we had we had a uh, Microsoft three six five monitoring solution in in place. But I'm going to give a Quick plug to Huntress in a moment, <laughs> but the uh, we had a Microsoft 365 monitoring solution in place uh, even back then, and we got a, a notification that said that one of our users for one of our clients had signed in in Switzerland when they were also in Nottingham. So we quickly, one of our team quickly looked at that and went, "Well, that's clearly." something suspicious there so we got on the we got on the phone with this with this end user and said are you using a vpn or is there, is there any is there any reason that your machine should say it's logging in from switzerland and he he said no but i did get a weird email a minute ago that i clicked on and ultimately i've spoken i did a video about session hijacking around about seven years ago and show showing this technique in action all that all those years ago but that was the first time as a business we'd seen it actually play out where somebody a hacker had actually used it to gain access to somebody's microsoft 365 mailbox as i alluded to before we always insist on multi-factor authentication to be enabled on all of our accounts for our clients so we know that mfa is in place but with session hijacking, what happens is that the analogy that I keep using, and I've got a video with the demonstration on my LinkedIn profile, it's, it's tagged in my LinkedIn profile for anyone that wants to see it. But the way I always explain, explain it is that when you connect, when you log into a website, username and password, and do your multi-factor authentication, it's a little bit like if you're at a, a, a concert or a festival where you're walking into the entrance and security people ask to see your ticket, you show them your ticket or QR code, and then they replace that with a with a wristband that then shows you shows them that you've signed in, and that wristband then allows you in and out of that event all day long. As long as you've got that wristband on, the security just wave you through, and that's how a session cookie or a session token works when you're logging onto a website. Is once you've authenticated, given your username, password, and multi-factor authentication, you're essentially handed a, a wristband or a cookie, and that means that that website, as long as you've got that wristband, wristband on, it'll let you back in and as many times as you want whilst whilst that's still active. So what the hackers are doing, and they've been doing this for a, for a, quite a while now is that 
they are getting people to sign in to Microsoft 365 is a very big target. So they get people to sign in. They're in, in between. They're man in the middle in between you and the website or Microsoft 365. And they steal that wristband or the session cookie as you log on. And because they've done that, they don't need to use multi-factor authentication. They are literally just on as you. They're in. And, and then what typically happens is the hackers then go in, they create a OneNote file. We've seen automations to do this. They create a OneNote file with another link, and then they start sending it to all of your contacts and people that you've had uh, in you, recently in your inbox. Luckily, when we first spotted this, we locked it down within a minute. We went through the audit log and noticed that OneNote file got created by this user. So they were about to do this same routine for, for them. And obviously, if emails had gone out, the reputational damage would have been pretty bad and it could have had a daisy chain effect. We caught it because we were monitoring the 365 activity and we, we dealt with it really quickly. But because we noticed that and it meant we've got a brand new, not a brand new threat, but a threat that's becoming more, more of a worry, we then went across all of our client base and implemented condition access policies that would prevent that from happening by locking down what devices, what networks could actually authenticate with Microsoft 365 because we didn't want to run that risk. I'm still hearing every week in WhatsApp groups with IT businesses, their clients are getting hacked using this exact same technique and you need to put things in place to protect against it. And I accuse it all quite nicely, probably for Dre to talk about and you know the newest product that Huntress have got in their lineup as well. Well, that seems like a good uh, segue. Joe, you, you should be hosting these things yourself, my friend. You uh, you know what you're doing with it. Dre, what he said. <laughs> so before we get into the Huntress product, I wanted to just, I mean, Joe's absolutely right with conditional access policies. If folks are listening to this right now and they have no interest in Huntress, they don't want to know about the Huntress MDR for Microsoft 365, don't, don't worry about that. Go and put conditional access policies in that and make them complex. So just a case in point, if you only ever use Chromebooks in your environment, nobody does this, but if you only ever use Chromebooks, you can create a conditional access policy that says, hey, only let Chromebooks uh, as a device. And you can do this. If you know your users will only come in from the UK, you can do the same thing. Yes, this becomes, um, you, can, you can make it more complex than it needs to be. Don't, don't do that. But most people aren't utilizing conditional access policies. And what we're seeing, and, and we're trying to scale our product to do this, conditional access policies are frustrating adversaries, and I love it. Because even if they steal the right password, it's not going to get them in. Now, obviously, we have to be careful because uh, users reuse passwords, and they're going to go elsewhere. So maybe the adversary will try some other login. But the point is, you want to create as many obstacles for free or for cheap. Uh, if you would like a cheap but still good product, uh, the Microsoft 365 MDR that Huntress offers, I think we, we're getting it. We, the beta that we rolled out was good. And then we got into an even better place when we started getting feedback. I'm big on feedback. I love it when customers tell us stuff isn't where they need it to be because that's where we steer the roadmap. We've got some really cool stuff that's about to come in in 2024. Because what we've started to do, everybody does impossible travel and user base dining in a different way. Um, and every, every, you know, no competitors, one is better. I'm not allowed to talk about what we're doing yet. I'm sure we will at some point, but what we're going to try and do and how we're going to do impossible travel, I think is going to change the game a little bit because we're going to try and take all these things about conditional access policies and the particular error codes that happen when adversaries are trying and getting frustrated. We're going to take what we understand about users, the countries and continents that they're normally in, and we're going to try and do some clever math that too clever for me. I read the doc and I was like, I don't get it. Um, but we're going to try and do some really clever stuff to create as much value 
with low noise as possible. And if we get that ratio right, what I want is for Joe to be happy when he sees an email from Huntress about M365 intrusions and to not roll his eyes and think, here's another false positive, because that's not what I want. I want all of our stuff, especially when it says important for Microsoft 365, that once an adversary is in, they can spin up tools like AAD internals and, and, and other away, and they've got all kinds of persistences. So nipping them in the bud, and we can use isolation as part of our product, but nipping them in the bud and actually keeping them out is so important. Uh, I could talk about this for, for forever, and I will. <laughs> but not that <laughs> I, I think the, the other thing just to point out as well, you're right about obviously impossible travel and, and things, that, but the problem is, particularly from Microsoft's point, and I don't necessarily agree with this, Microsoft put put a premium on their security products, right? So obviously if, if, if anyone's out there, we, we're insistent on business premium. Most of, our, most of our clients are under 300 seats and we're insistent on business premium because at least it has conditional access policies in place. If you go below business premium, you don't even get condi conditional access policies. So you're missing a lot there. And then when it comes to impossible travel, that's not even included by standard in in business premium for Microsoft. You've got to go to like enterprise plans and, and, and add-ons for that. So Microsoft are missing out a lot of things that would help the communities for, for to stay secure. But this is where if you're an MSP where you you have got business premium, you can't really do impossible travel or you you're you're running basic and standard, but you haven't got that additional layer of protection of conditional access, I, this is where I would employ you to to look at a solution like Huntress for the 365, because otherwise you are going to leave yourself in a big hole, I think. Makes a lot of sense. We are live, Top Talk Live here, the podcast for IT consultants. Uh, for those of you who have left a, a feedback saying, hey, I've got a dropout, I've got to jump into a meeting or whatever. Of course, yes, this is recorded. So if you're watching us uh, from the future, hello from the past. Looking forward to Doctor Who coming back to our screens this weekend. I'm a time travel uh, geek. Uh, we're also going to be turning this into an audio show for the podcast as well, so you can listen to it while you're out driving the car, walking, uh, walking the dog, whatever it might be. So we've got loads of great feedback for both of you guys in uh, the chat here as well. I'm going to make sure that we get that shared with you uh, afterwards. If you've got any questions, uh, we've got a few minutes more left, so please feel free to fire them through. I'm going to say this up front because we've got a lot of questions for you, Joe, and they seem to be very MSP-specific uh, questions. So uh, mm -hmm. with your permission, I've already said you've got an open invite to come back onto the show. Uh, would you come back on and talk about pricing and talk about hiring, those type of things, those more MSP general subjects? Absolutely. I'd love to. Love to. Excellent. So um, let's have a look. Who else have we got joining us today? We've got people from all over the world. <laughs> Our main man here, Steve McCormack, our community manager, just doing an incredible job of pulling in all of the feedback and comments from all the different channels into one place for me to keep up with. So thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Uh, we've got Scott Riley watching. Um, uh, Great friend to the industry. Thanks for joining us together, Scott. Um, <laughs> some funny comments we as well. Shall we, Sorry, we Shall we do Scott a quick plug as well with his yeah, enforcement? Because yeah, Scott. <laughs> Scott's obviously working um, heavily on on products to try and help solve the problem as well, which is you know things like conditional access policies, rolling them out, how you manage them, keep on top of them, what do you want as a security baseline, and and obviously Scott's involved in the enforcer um, solution as well. So yeah, just quick plug for that. Hopefully Scott appreciates Absolutely. that. <laughs> We love you, Scott. Scott's been on the podcast uh, uh, Tub Talk a number of times. And I should say, for the benefit of uh, listeners, if you're watching this live with other things going on, or you, you're out for a walk, or uh, as uh, Mostin was doing, traveling uh, to Amsterdam, please don't 
worry about all of the resources. And I know we've mentioned a lot. Uh, uh, Joe's mentioned his LinkedIn profile. Dre's mentioned uh, lots of Huntress resources that they give away for free to the MSP community. We'll put all of this in our show notes for the podcast. So go to tublog.co uk and uh, you'll be able to get all of those details after the fact um steve doing a great job of pulling together the comments we've got some really funny ones as well so joe when you were talking about printers wow people hate printers don't they in fact um gareth says destroy all printers so there we go destroy all printers um uh, and when we were talking about drinking your own champagne or eating your own dog food uh, jay bodies from network bridge uh, says eat your own blt sandwich that's one I've not heard before, but maybe we can make that work within the industry. Uh, we've got another question come through, and this is a broad one. I'm going to go to both of you. First of all, uh, perhaps Joe as the MSP. What is the appropriate level of government involvement in regulating MSP cybersecurity? Uh, I, I'm all for it. I want. I, I think the MSP world needs regulations because it, it, it is such a powerful position now in terms of we're managing we're managing the defensive security in in the most part for a lot of businesses and these businesses we we've got you know we've got key clients that are involved in very extensive supply chains uh, in, in the uk so yeah it's I think there needs to be some regulation and, and I'm all for things. Obviously, we one of the things that we do is make sure all of our clients, so this is UK-based more than anything, but we we make sure that all of our clients go through Cyber Essentials as standard. So we do that for everyone. And we also always make sure that we get Cyber Essentials plus uh, certification for ourselves. But yeah, anything that I, and I do like that. I think that's a really good, uh, a good measurement. Cyber Essentials plus in particular, because Cyber Essentials on its own is, you know, if someone wants to take yes to everything, we've done all these and then they get it signed off. It's not really as good as the plus where it's independently audited. But, yeah, I'm all for regulation and controls, things like that. I think we should have that. Yeah, I would broadly agree. Dre, we're not asking you to speak on behalf of the whole of Huntress here because I know there's going to be uh, differing opinions within just your organisation, let alone the MSP community. What's your thoughts, though, on um, government regulation? We're seeing a lot of it in the U.S., and I can tell you for a fact, it's just around the corner in the UK as well. So what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, just like Joe said, I'm completely in favour. There are too many important things that IT is now sort of the governing entity of. Uh, and I think about it in the way that um, a lot of critical national infrastructure sort of risk analysts think about, you know, what if somebody attacks the UK's uh, electricity substations? What if somebody goes for our water? Going for our tech sort of uh, attack surface is, is what aggressive nation states want. They want to be able to go for those things because that creates cascading impact. I think it should be regulated. We wouldn't let any cowboys just turn up and start working on our electricity sort of um, infrastructure. We also don't want the minority of, of cowboy IT providers being able to do that for things that really matter. And away from critical national infrastructure, I mean, every week we're reading about schools getting ransomed, hospitals getting ransomed, we need to make sure that there are really appropriate, stringent IT regulation that's being put out. But we also need to make sure that it's common sense. I think the NCSC has done a really wonderful job, especially in the last two years, of, of reaching out, of putting out more common sense guidance. Not that they didn't before, but they've just put more effort into it. And I do think regulation is around the corner, but I wouldn't want to see regulation without the involvement and, and it being led by the community, i.e. Mm -hmm. know what they're talking about. Mm 
I'm going to stop there so it doesn't get political. <laughs> Good answer, I think, to a very difficult uh, question here. Um, we are live. We've just got a few minutes left here. So again, I'll reiterate all the questions that have come in uh, for Joe uh, in terms of managed services on its own. Really appreciate uh, that. We're going to roll them forward to when I get Joe back on the podcast. Uh, so thank you for everybody who submitted questions there. Give a shout out. We've got uh, somebody very special joining us. Uh, your new colleague, Dre, Nico Donovan who's taking over uh, as uh, the head of Huntress, uh, looking after a door director for the UK and EMEA, as I understand there. So, Nick, thanks for joining us there. I want to give a personal shout-out to my friend Tracy Orisco uh, over there in uh, Canada, who we got to hang out with uh, recently, uh, both Joe, Dre, and myself. Uh, Tracy has been spearheading Huntress in the UK and Europe as well. Here's an interesting question uh, that's come in. Uh, again, it's anonymous. And, Joe, I'm going to turn to you on this one because it's MSP-related. How do you recoup the costs of working with a SOC like Huntress when your clients say to you, I thought we were already paying for that? Uh, that's an interesting question because, again, our model, our model is to just include everything. So the way that we've, and it touches on maybe a pricing question a little bit, but the way that we've built our, uh, our product and service is that it's one price. And it includes everything. So that it, it does make it difficult. So when we're having conversations with Huntress, we're talking about rolling it out to our, we, we look after around about 1,000 endpoints at the moment. So we always talk about rolling it out to everyone unilaterally and immediately. And unlike trying to sell it as an add-on service, the problem with selling anything as an add-on service is people don't think they need it. But we know better what they need than they do. Uh, they're just looking at it as a, as a cost item. The fact is, when we take it on and we add it to all of our existing clients, they, we don't ask them for any more money. So it is a cost. We're losing you know, gross margin on those clients. But equally, we know that that might stop them from being ransomed or getting you know, session hijacked. We know that the impact is it's probably going to reduce our work in the long run because if we don't do it, we, we've got to do a load of remedial if they get hacked. And we want to completely avoid people getting hacked. And so we'll take all of our best intention to stop that from happening. Um, we recoup it at renewals and for new customers because we just include the we include the cost into the price of our services and, and keep pushing that up. And that's how we do it. That's great. Sounds good. And I, as you know, Joe, you and I have talked about this. I'm a great fan of uh, MSP services, not just looking to charge for them individually, but anything that lowers your cost of support and keeps the contract more profitable over the long term, mm -hmm. I think is a very, very uh, good way to do it as well. So we're running out of time here. So maybe a, a rapid fire question, because I've been waiting to ask this one. I think it's a good question. Uh, and the question is from Steve. He says, do you think that cybersecurity awareness is table stakes for all small businesses now? And should this be considered from a recruitment and personal development perspective? Dre, I'll, I'll turn to you on that. And then, uh, Joe, we'll close up with you. Is cybersecurity table stakes now? Is, you know, should it be included in everything a business does? So I am biased. And I would say yes. Uh, I, I find it interesting that a lot of business contingency and disaster recovery plans will think of all kinds of things that probably won't happen. But it's very rare that it will include sort of a, a huge IT uh, pro uh, problem and, and ransomware is is that, right? It is um, a disaster and you need to recover from it. Should it be included in recruitment and, and things like that? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. What I would say is it has to be part of your company policy. I've sat through my partner's uh, cybersecurity awareness training. That doesn't build culture. 
that that destroys cybersecurity culture. Uh, you need to have a bit of amnesty. Folks have been doing something wrong. Don't punish them. If they click the wrong link, it's going to happen. Hey, if your whole network is brought down by one user clicking something, it's not on them. I'll leave you to guess who's it's on. Um, but it's important that when you're fostering the right environment, cybersecurity is, it's an essential part, but it's similar to like the keys to the front doors of place. You're going to treat people like, hey, don't give this out to everybody. Be sensible. Same way it should be with cybersecurity. But if you bore people, if you make it a chore, if it's a thing you do once a year and then you tick that box, when breach happens, people aren't going to understand it and they're not going to be helpful. I worked an incident with a company and I know we're running out of time. I do apologize. They had a wonderful culture. When they had the intrusion, they had people rolling their sleeves up. They got their disaster recovery plans that were printed. That's important. And they were able to turn to the right pages and they knew who to find. It's little things like that. Your people don't need to be cybersecurity experts. They just need to have a little bit of the language and turn to the right pages to be able to phone the right people. Yeah. Joe, your thoughts? Cybersecurity, is it table stakes? Yeah, yeah, I think it should be. Again, it's one of the things that we do include in our package, the cyber, cyber awareness training. The one thing I would also uh, reiterate or, or encourage people to do is uh, when somebody starts in a position, do some induction cyber awareness training. I've seen I've seen firsthand that new employees are being targeted massively, particularly with these type of CEO type fraud. It will come from another account, but it will pretend to be their their boss, and it will say, "I need your telephone number so I can so I can drop you some instructions." They then send them a WhatsApp message <clears throat> saying something along the lines of, oh, "I've got this really important client meeting, but I need some vouchers. Can you nip to the shop and buy them?" You know, we see that a lot but it's very targeted at new employees that have been announced on LinkedIn. They've seen them updated on the website and people target them because it's their first week. They're going to listen to authority because they're not going to question it in their first week. And it's very important, I think, to get induction training for cyber awareness day one when somebody starts, before you even given them an email account, which is what we do for a lot of our clients. Yeah. Joe, Dre, I'm really respectful of your time. As always in these live events, people have waited until the very last minute to get some really cool questions in. You've got a couple of minutes to do a, a rapid fire? On some yeah, questions? sure. Okay. Sure. So let's have a look here. So what about CEC plus for all MSPs, uh, Cyber Advisor, CompTIA, Trustmark, that type of thing? Joe, I'll aim that at you because that's an MSP-specific uh, question. Yeah, I think CE Plus should be a standard. CE, no, not so much. As I say, it's self-certified. It's not audited. It's not checked, really. People can rely on it. It's not familiar, Joe. Uh, CE, CE Plus, yeah. what, what's the acronym mean? So, so Cyber Essentials. Cyber Essentials versus Cyber Essentials Plus. It's a UK government. But, so obviously this only applies really <clears throat> for UK MSPs, but it's a UK uh, framework that the government put in. God, I remember it being released. It was probably near on 10 years ago now. Um, but yeah, Cyber Essentials was because the government wanted to make sure that the UK is a safe place to work. Cyber Essentials Plus is a proper audited assessment. You answer a load of questions about what you've what you've got. And it is basics. There's nothing beyond basics, but the basics are now good for Cyber Essentials. Like everything that's an online account needs multifactorial authentication enabled on it, which should be the case. So but plus is is actually somebody independently inspects everything and does a bit of vulnerability testing and things like that. So I think that should be the benchmark in the UK. Don't know about internationally so much, but particularly in the UK, I, I think that would be a good place to go. Yeah. Dre, do you see anything in other parts of the world? Obviously, um, 
like Joe, you're based in the UK, but you deal with people all around, MSPs all around the world. I know we mentioned the CompTIA Trustmark. Uh, that's perhaps one to, uh, to look into. Any resources that you can recommend to people in other parts of the world? Uh, mainly probably for the US, but CISA offers sort of a, a wide suite of different tools. Uh, what's quite cool is they have some interactive tooling to help figure out maybe what you need to do with your business. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I knew any certifications uh, that MSPs can go through, but item, I think CISA is a little bit more mature and what they offer, so there's definitely resources to be found. Right? For the rest, of the rest of the world, I do apologize. I don't know enough. We will look into that. I know we've got a lot of uh, cybersecurity experts on the call, so... Yeah, obviously the other the other international standard that a lot of people look to from an IT security perspective is ISO 27001, which is obviously quite common for people to get. The only thing is I'm skeptical of that because the number of times I see people get ISO 27001 and write down all the policies, put it in a book and then put it in a binder and put it in a in a cupboard, a cupboard somewhere and that's it, you know. So I'm always skeptical. If you're going to do it, make sure you live and breathe the policies. Make sure you live and breathe what it is that you're trying to achieve with it rather than just write it down and stick it in a book somewhere. Yeah. And to that point, Laura Wilkinson, who is a, a great UK-based uh, cyber insurance uh, expert, uh, she actually says a BDR backup a disaster recovery plan needs a specific cyber section in there. So interesting mm -hmm. feedback from a, an expert in the insurance field there. And actually, there's a there's a, a, a question, a follow-up on, on this as well. Uh, what are your opinions on the people elements of cybersecurity? So, Dry, I'm going to turn to you first, because one of the things I learned about Huntress was you've got a, a, you know that, that platform now to do cybersecurity education as well for end users. Tell us more about the people element. I'm really bad at plugging Huntress, aren't I? I need to work on that. Um, so you're, doing, you're plugging Huntress merely by being here, my friend. <laughs> I, I, they let me out of the cupboard every every couple of weeks. Um, so my least favorite phrase, and I remember we talked about this, Richard, is when people say humans are the weakest link. Uh, complete nonsense. Uh, humans are why we build everything. Humans aren't the weakest link. And if they are, then that's on the employer. Uh, so like we said, cybersecurity training is pretty bad. It, it just generally is bad. It's not me giving stick to any competitors. It's, it's just hard to make it interesting. Huntress recognized that we we bought a company called Curricula. Curricula is a wonderful and the Huntress Cyber Security Awareness training platform is, is Curricula, which we bought it on. And it's fantastic because it tries to make a more playful, more really short, kind of quick interactive, like you can do it once a month on different topics. What I think is quite clever is it tries to bleed uh, personal sort of family and home device security with corporate security and what's quite interesting is if you if you get people to care about how this will affect them and their family they'll probably carry those practices in, into when they're on the corporate network the people side of cybersecurity is the most important you can pay for all the most fancy security tools if you don't bother to invest in your people there's, then there's no point layer defense should begin and end with a user because your users can stop an intrusion your users can stop an apt they can do these things if they're trained appropriately and if you give them the tools to do it, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times that people would say, I didn't know who to phone, I didn't know who to talk to when I had this problem. Or they turned to help desk and help desk was like, I don't know what this is either. So giving them policies, letting them turn to particular bits of a document, letting them click a thing and says, I don't think this is right, send. And having someone proactive on the other side to look at that, gold dust. Yeah, great stuff. One final quick fire question here, and maybe I can help with this a little bit. Michelle says, uh, any further reading or resources on the regulated MSP proposals 
for the UK, and that's from Michelle Coombs. Uh, Joe, uh, I know you're at the forefront of this. Um, any Anything that you can recommend? I've got some thoughts. Not, really, not, not without going on Google or ChatGPT at this moment. Um, I have looked through, obviously, when they were talking about the NIS uh, derivative or whatever they're, they're looking at uh, introducing. I did have a scan over that. When I first looked at it before, I felt like it hadn't really evolved to understand the MSP world properly. And a bit like Dre, Dre was saying earlier, if you're going to do regulation, you're going to do compliance for this particular industry, it needs to be fit for purpose for an, our industry. I was a bit off put um, by by what I'd seen previously, but that was a few months ago, the last time I looked at it, and I've not seen if it's evolved since then. Um so, yeah, uh, no hard and fast kind of things that I could kind of directly refer you to. But I know I've had a scan over some of the stuff that's coming out of government a while back. Uh, there, are, there is documentation out there. Well, I've got some thoughts on that, Michelle. Um, he's going to hate me for this. But Stephen McCormack, who is our community manager, who's behind the camera at the moment, Steve has got a knack of doing some incredible long-form, really well-researched articles. As you know, Michelle, you know Stephen. So, Steve, I know you're watching this. Perhaps we can put together an article on Tublog, the hub for MSPs, just looking at the impending regulations and what we know as an industry about it. And, of course, uh, Joe Dre will, will turn to you for your feedback and quotes uh, there mm -hmm. as well. I want to give another shout-out to another man behind the camera here. So if you've enjoyed Tub Talk Live today, uh, the man who's made it all possible is our great video guy, Mark Orr. You can't see him, but he's been beavering away behind the camera here to make sure that uh, Joe Dre... And I look uh, incredible, which, trust me, is a really, really <laughs> tough gig, but he's done it. And again, if you are a vendor or anybody in the industry watching this and thinking, man, this is a good format, it's not down to us. It's all down to uh, Mark all there. So thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. So Mark, Stephen doing the hard work behind the camera. All that remains to be say, said, I guess, is uh, Joe Dre. Thanks so much for joining us today. This has been Fantastic. I'd love to do it again if you two are up for it in the near future, because the feedback we've had in the, in the chat has been uh, great. Joe, uh, if anybody wants to reach out to you and continue the conversation about managed services, where can they find you online? Best places on LinkedIn. I'm always on LinkedIn. If you message me, you see I'm pretty active on there and I'm sharing information either on cybersecurity or MSP related uh, content. So yeah, feel free to connect with me on there. Hopefully you can share the, the link, but my name's Joe Burns. And if you can't find me with that, look for cybersecurity and you'll probably find me. <laughs> and Dre, you're not a difficult man to find online, but for, for the lazy amongst us, let us know where we can find you. Yeah, so Twitter, LinkedIn, you can just email me. If you see me in the street, just grab me. I will talk about everything and anything. I'm only useful for computers, um, but I love to talk. I love to teach. Uh, if folks have specific questions around hiring, entry level, that's great. Message me, I get a lot of those. Just attach a resume. You'd be amazed at how many people ask for interview and stuff advice and they don't attach a resume or a CV. CV or a resume, got it. Yeah, Huntress expand, expanding all over the globe there. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. If you've been watching uh, this live, as I said, we're going to have show notes, everything that's been mentioned by Dre, Joe, and myself. Uh, you can go to tublog.co.uk. And actually, we've got a specific page for Huntress resources because there are so many cool things there. Tub.co forward slash Huntress. 
So go and check that out. We'll also be turning this into a podcast so you can listen. And of course, this video will be available on demand on YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, but sadly, not MySpace and Bebo. I'm getting told in my ear there. So uh, thanks, Joe, uh, Burns, and Dre Aga for joining us today. Thank you, everybody in the audience. We've had so many great questions, so much wonderful feedback. If you've enjoyed this, let us know. If you haven't enjoyed this, zip it. We don't want to know. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much. And uh, I'll look forward to seeing you both out on the road and speaking to you both very, very soon. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.